seems like a lot of money. But it really is not. God loves us so much. Did I say more than I was supposed to? But what would you say, but what would you say to the people in, in any given church? Uh, only about 10 to 15 percent of the church tithes, okay? And most people, when you hear a message on tithing, if you don't tithe, think I did, they just want my money. No, that's not it. The tithe takes you out of the natural realm and puts you in a realm you can't handle. It puts you in the supernatural realm for miracles from God in every area of your life, not just money, but in every area of your life. And the reason most people don't tithe is because it doesn't, it seems like you'll have 10% less than what you had and you're not making it with what you have. So how could you make it with 10% less than you have? Any accountant, any mathematician would say, that's right, you will have 10% less. But what it does, David, it opens the window of the supernatural. We know what the Scripture says. It opens the window of God. He'll pour out a blessing that that will not have room enough to contain. But I believe it opens the supernatural realm to basically humble ourselves brokenly and just saying, God, I give it all to you because I don't know what to do. There are so many people in financial bondage in the body of Christ, and he has given us the opportunity supernaturally to get out of it, but yet so many people that love God but have not moved into that testing of God. That's what he says. Test me. See if I won't do what I say I'll do. What would you say to them? Because they're good people. They love God but they haven't been able to make that leap of faith in the area of tithing. I would say start where you are. If, if 10% seems like a really high figure, my, in my thinking is a regular pattern of giving is, is the place to start. Whatever you feel faithful, step into that and make that a regular amount. And as God gives you more faith and as you see it working, step in to, to a higher level. In my opinion, even 10% is not, is not really enough. When you know what God has, when you see what God has done for us, if you really think about it, what, what, what we had going, going to hell is real. Hell is really a place that people go to. That alone is worth giving everything that, that you can. I don't give as much as I think I should. 10% is nowhere near what, what God deserves. But my, my, my own take is start where you are. If, if 10%, but give regularly of your fast fruit before you see the bills and you get scared. <laughs> give regularly of your fast fruits and God will give you. It's not, I, I, I don't even think it's more like he's sitting there trading with you. you really, he's really giving you a key. You're not trading with God with money. God is way, way too high for that. He, he, is, he is a father who's trying to train us. But like you tra- training a child how to ride a bicycle, you cannot ride it for them. They'll just have to trust you and get on the bicycle and trust that, that they will not crash. So there are some things God cannot do for you. And walking by faith, he cannot do for you. you you'll just have to step out 
and, and, and trust that he will not let you crash. But it's absolutely necessary to learn to walk by faith. It's, it's the way things work in heaven. You cannot really, it's like breathing. You cannot function without, without walking by faith. So this is, tithing is really a start of that. Learning how to walk by faith. Because faith, you need it. Faith, love, and hope remain. Everything else goes. But we'll need that to go. But start where you are, and I tend to talk too much. Praise God. Give David a hand. Let's all make this confession, because I know this is your confession. I desire to live in the supernatural and to have the supernatural blessings of God upon my life. Can we say amen to that? Give David a hand again. Great word. Let's make our confession. Here comes my beautiful wife. Hey, you want to lead us? You got this thing down yet and patent? Where have you been? Trying to get you a phone. Obviously, I should have stayed and helped. (laughs) No, it's okay. I have been four hours at AT AT&T. That is a long time at AT AT&T. She said, I'm so sorry you're missing church. I thought, well, I'm not leaving now. I've been here three and a half hours. I'm staying till the end of this, however long it takes. Did you get a phone? Your phone, you have a phone. Uh, I got phone. But you have a phone that works. I just want something that's been close to her lips. Oh, right. <laughs> Zip it. Okay, here we go. Everybody together. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. Good job. Good job. Sit down and take notes. This is for you tonight, honey. No. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Matthew chapter 7 on a a serious note, I want us to pray. I don't know the full story yet, but uh, we need to pray for the family of the two teenagers up in Delphi, uh, Liberty German and Abigail Williams. And I don't think they know what has happened yet, but uh, they they found both of these girls dead at the park. And uh, uh, we need to pray for them and then pray for Linda Huntley. Some of you already heard that David went home to be with the Lord. And um, all of the trouble that Linda has been through, we thought surely she was going to be with the Lord many times, and David just had a massive heart attack and woke up with Jesus. So uh, praise God. Let's pray for this, uh, the German and Williams family. Father, I have no idea what they're going through, but I know you do. And I can't imagine three, uh, two 13-year-old children going for a walk and not coming home. You are the comforter, and we thank you that you would comfort that family and and that whatever needs to be revealed will be revealed. But the most important thing is just to to comfort the parents and comfort the family and comfort the community in the midst of all of this, Lord. We just pray for that in Jesus' name. We pray for Linda. We thank you, Lord, that she is at peace, that she knows that David is alive and well with you. heaven and we thank you for the service that will be held friday we give you the praise honor and glory in jesus name and everybody said uh david's uh, f- uh service will be at uh 10 o-
uh, 2 o'clock, 2 in the afternoon on Friday at Hip and Steel Simplicity on Schuyler. If you, if you care to go to that, it would be at 2 o'clock. Well, if you have your Bibles, we are going to be talking about something that God really put in my heart regarding asking. And uh, it, was, it was kind of a different message, but as I continue to pray about this, uh, the message is don't forget to ask. And um, I, I said, God, what, is, what does that really mean? And he just began to show me examples in people's lives of when they're up against something, they're believing for something, and they're talking about it, and they're sharing it with friends, and, and, and it's a conversation and all of those things. But it's don't forget to ask me to take care of it. And maybe it's because of Valentine's Day that we just had, and Pam and I celebrated our first date 36 years ago, and uh, most of you have heard the story, so I'm not going to go into all of it in detail, but, but it's, it's an absolute miracle of God that what transpired in our life And it came as a result of me sitting on the edge of my bed, asking God, if we need to take the child to the nursery ushers, go ahead and help us if it continues back there. Uh, And and so what happens then is that uh, uh, I was sitting on the edge of my bed, and uh, I, I just sat there. I've been through a horrible situation in my life, and uh, and I just cried out to God and said, God, if you have someone for me. Uh, I'd love to be married again. And I asked him for a wife, if he had one. But I also said, if you don't have someone for me, then I'm ready to spend the rest of my life without anyone just serving you. And he woke me up at 3 o'clock in the morning, gave me Pam's name, and through through circumstances and situations, we won't go into all of that now, but God brought us together, gave me my, uh, her name in the middle of the night, gave her uh, my name, and it just, it was really awesome, and we had our first date at the uh, Eagle's Nest down in Indianapolis, that revolving restaurant. I lied about reservations, and some of you have heard the story, they were full 36 years ago, and I uh, called them back when they told me they were full, and I demanded that they change my reservations because I'd made them for a different time. And they, oh, we're very sorry, we forgot to record them, and they changed the reservations. God since forgave me for all of that. <laughs> but this year, I told Pam, I, I came home, and, and I said, now, now this is all about what we're going to talk about scripturally in just a moment here. If you ask and God wants to do it, it's in line with his will, he'll do it. But if you don't ask, it may not get done, period. And uh, so anyway, I came home and I said, honey, I was, uh, I, you want to go back to the eagle's nest? And uh, she said, uh, well, aren't they full? And I said, yeah, I called today and uh, they're full. They, they have no reservations. The recording comes on and says they're full. I said, but I could call again and see if God would help me out again. She said, no, you're not lying. You've walked with the Lord too long now. You're not lying. So then I had another thought. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, another thought's really good. And I said, God, if you want us to go down there, I know you can open the door. I'd like to go. I would just like to go. We've never been back in 36 years. And I called back, and I left the message. And I said, if you have any cancellations, give me a call. I'll take it. An hour later, got a call, and they had a cancellation, and we got to go down there. Spent more money than we've ever spent on a meal. But that's okay. (laughs) She's worth it. She's worth it. I, when they told me the price, I thought, could we split a meal? But they said, no, you couldn't do that. But 
you, you, you'll be amazed at what will happen if you just ask. And this is what the Lord showed me. There are a lot of people in the body of Christ who have wandering, busy minds. You think an awful lot. Can I see the hands of all the people? You know somebody like that. And they're thinking all the time, all the time. But they're not spending as much time asking as they are thinking. They're not asking God what you want him to do. And the Word of God is very clear on asking. The Word of God, and we're going to share it in just a moment here, but if we will spend our time asking of God. Now, the word ask, I want to give you a definition here because it's really powerful. You're not, you're not putting a demand on God to say, God, you're going to do this for me. But the word ask means to make a request, to make a petition, and to place a demand, to make a request to petition and to make a demand or to put a demand on something. In other words, I've used this example before, but in, in the military, uh, if you receive your orders and, and you're a, a part of an organization, which we are, turn to your neighbor and tell you, we're part of an organization. We're part of the body of Christ. We are soldiers in the body of Christ. We are in the most elite force on the face of this earth on assignment from God. Tell you, I'm on assignment from God. And if you understand that, it will give you an idea of what God wants us to do to ask for whatever it is that we have need of. And so in the military, when you receive your orders from God... You have your uniform. We have our uniform. We're cloaked in righteousness. We are the image of Christ or becoming the image of Christ. And so we, when, when we in the, in the military, when you get your orders, they give you the money for your plane fare or they fly you or they take you the transportation. They give you the food. They give you the uniforms. In the military, you live the closest thing to Matthew chapter 6 that there is. Every single need you have, medical, vision, uniform, everything is taken care of. 30 days vacation every year. Glory to God, I'm remembering the days. Hallelujah. Station in Hawaii. No, in other words, everything is taken care of for you. How about God and his military? Wouldn't he take care of us better than anybody? Turn to your neighbors, not a trick question, say, yes, he would. Yes, he would. So when we understand that, then whatever it is that we ask of him, if he wants us to have it, we're going to have it. And all of you have heard about my car story. And I was, and, and you know, I, I have, and I, I say this to the glory of God. I told some guy this story the other day at the uh, car wash. I, I I wash that car all the time. That is God's car, and I love that car. And uh, so I was through the car wash, and the guy said, that's a good-looking car, and I said, that's God's car. And he said, oh, really? And he's like, does God drive? Or You know, you didn't say that, but that's the look on his face. And I told him the story. He said, I've never heard anything like that before. I am crying as I'm telling the story. I told Pam, every once in a while I get in that car and I start to drive, and I just start to tear up because God gave me that car. And I've told you that story before, so you've all heard it, unless you're a visitor. But how just one day not too long ago, I was asked, it just happened to say, well, it was just before Father's Day, about, you know, I'd like to have one more new car. And I'm not going to go anywhere, but just, you know, one more new car. You get older, and I would just want one more new car. She said, you were going to buy a car? I said, no, I'm not going to pay for a car. That's what I thought the story was. However, 
God was speaking to me this morning and said, you don't remember when you asked for a new car. And I thought, is that really God or is that just my thought? How many of you realize you have a lot of thoughts? And some of them you think are God and some of them, where did that come from? And this is what I heard. You don't even remember when you asked for the car. And I thought, is that God? It doesn't sound like the devil. It doesn't sound like something I'm thinking of. I went back in my little journal here that I keep, and I would encourage all of you, we have these at the door when you leave. How many of you are filling these out like I am? Okay, thank you for those two hands. I have filled these out since 2001, and basically it's two parts. The first part is, what are you asking God to do in 2011? This is 2011. Uh, And what is God asking you to do in 2011? And there are seven things. I had this idea years ago, and I have completed these every year since 2011. And God always does a great job in what he does, but I don't always meet what he'd asked me to do for that year. I'll be very honest with you. But I went back looking through these because I thought God was asking me to, and I found I'd forgotten all about it. In 2011, I said, God, I would like a new car. Surprise me. I'd like a new car, surprise me. Now, sometimes when you ask of God, it doesn't come the next minute or the next hour. When I asked for a wife, God gave me one within an hour and uh, gave me her name. The car came very quickly, I thought, until I realized that I had asked in 2011 for that new car. Now, if you ask and God wants you to have it, you will have it. But you have to do something I don't know exactly how this works, but it has to do with your mouth speaking forth as an oracle of God, for God, serving God, that this is what I am asking God to do for me. Not calling everybody up and tell them that you've had a bad diagnosis. Not calling everybody up and tell them how bad things are, but sitting down and telling God in prayer, God, I am asking you to heal me now. God, I am asking you to take care of my mind once and for all. I don't want to call somebody for prayer every time my mind acts up. I want to ask you to give me the mind of Christ today. I want to ask you to renew my mind today, and you've told me how to do it. I want to ask you to take care of my children. I want to ask you to take care of my nephew out there in Colorado. I'm not going to fret over it. I'm not going to worry over it. I'm not going to carry the care of it, but I'm asking you to take care of it. And if God wants to do it, he will do it. Turn to your neighbor, tell him God can do anything he wants. But it is as if the way we bring the supernatural power of God down is through our words of asking him in a direct pipeline. I didn't bring my cell phone in here because I don't have my cell phone. Do I have your cell phone right now? Is that silly lady in there that I talked to? Is it the same one? No, 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 in the phone. The one that is in. Yeah, whatever. She's goofy. I said something one time. She said, that's not very nice. I thought she really lived in there. Do you know she says that? How many of you ever heard that? Have you heard that? Yeah. Well, anyway. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you, you, uh, uh, uh. If if you know what I'm talking about, if you got something, you, uh, I want the weather for Lafayette, Indiana. You get the weather for Lafayette, Indiana. You can sit there and hold that thing and think you want the weather, and think you want the. But it, but it, but it. 
And you can think about it and think about it and call your neighbor and call your friends. Maybe they'll have the weather. Maybe they won't. But it's not going to work until you say and ask, I would like the weather for Lafayette, Indiana. I would like the weather for Houston, Texas. I would like the weather for Longboat Key, Florida in Indiana. No, in other words, you, you know what I'm talking about. It will not activate until you ask. Now, I don't know how this works, so turn to your neighbor and say, we're not going to challenge his theology. Because it's not a theology. It's my own personal opinion. It is as if God cannot do the supernatural in our lives unless we ask him to do it. If God could do anything he wanted, the whole world would be saved. There would be no sickness and disease on this earth because God is a God of his word. But we know that because of the principalities and powers that rule this earth for this season, they have certain control that we have been given the ability to yoke up with God and bring the will of God forth by speaking directly to God and asking Him to intervene on our behalf. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm getting this. So then, if you understand this scripturally, now let's read a couple of, of uh, scriptures here, because some people get discouraged because they're, they're, they keep waiting for something to happen. The minute you ask God, He hears. And the minute you ask Him, you can let it go and you can move on. Tell your neighbor you need to move on. Don't get stuck in the rut of, well, when is this going to happen? When are they going to give me this? When is it going to give me that? Probably not if you act like that. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks will receive, and he who finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. So everyone who asks will receive. So then... If you study the Bible and go through there, I had no idea how many times ask was in the Bible. But this this morning, I felt like I was supposed to look it up. It is over 250 times the word ask, ask, asketh, or similar to that, is in the Bible. Now, in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 25, it's an important scripture to all of us. Kenneth Hagin uh, used this scripture over and over and over again at uh, Rhema Bible Training School. It's also in Matthew 21. But it's, it's a book, I mean, excuse me, it's a scripture that talks about the importance of speaking to these things and asking. In other words, we're asking God to do something. Uh, in, in the book of Joshua, it, it says that Joshua was engaged in, in, in warfare, and they were def- he was defeating the enemy. I forget exactly what scripture it was now. But he asked God to hold the daylight. He asked God to hold the daylight so he could continue the battle and continue to slay the enemy. And God did that. Why did he do it? Because Joshua asked him to do something that was beyond the normal that anybody could think about. Who would, who would think to ask God and say, God, I want the daylight to be two hours or three hours or four hours longer today because I've got work to do? Probably none of us in our right mind, because we would be too busy thinking about everything that didn't go right, 
to ask God what he wants to do or what we want him to do. Now turn to your neighbor and tell him, God does not work for you. Tell him we work for him. But in the military, when you get your orders, you go to a supply depot. And when you go to the supply depot, you say, I need a, I need a ticket for, uh, to go from uh, San Diego to, uh, to Hawaii. I'm going to be stationed there now, and I need so much food on the way, and this is the uniform I need because I'm going into a warm climate, and they give you everything you have need of for what you have need of to do in that duty station because duty stations are different. But everything you have need of, God has everything that you have need of. Listen, God has everything. So therefore, when the word of God says in the book of Mark, have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt, but believes that those things that he says he will have, he will have every single thing, uh, verse number 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, whatever things, let's all say, whatever things you ask when you pray, you will receive them. So therefore, the importance becomes, what am I asking? Now, let me just see a show of hands here, if you could. How many of you might be a little slow of asking God and a little quicker to think about things than you should be? I think that's human nature. But the good news is we don't have to live in human nature. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't have to raise your hand anymore. What are you facing? Ask God to take care of it. God will take care of it for you. And in the meantime, he will also show you what to do. He will show you how to take care of it. If you will just ask and get rid of it. Now, everything that you ask for, God's not going to do. So turn to your neighbor and say, does that contradict what I've heard so far? Tell him. Just ask him, does that contradict what I've heard so far? Not really. Whatever God wants you to have, he will do for you when you ask. But there are things that God won't do for you when you ask because God doesn't want you to go that direction. God is into, and if you get this, it'll, it'll sure help you. God is in to breaking people so that he can use people. I'll say that again. God is into breaking people so he can use people. And once God breaks through to you and gets you out of self and gets you into his will, then he can use you. When I went to, when Pam and I uh, were, were, God led us to Tulsa, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. We, I, I cried all the way out to Tulsa because God said, I want you to go to Tulsa and you'll find the meaning of your life. And I know now, looking back on it, I was prideful, I was arrogant, I, I thought God really had it made because he had me on his team now, and, uh, I, and I, know that, I know that sounds silly to you, but it was as if, God, I've got John fourteen fourteen. you ask anything in my name, I'll do it, I've got a list for you, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to do this, and you've got a good man here, because I'm really going to help you. I was full of pride, full of arrogance, I know it now, and 
So God is taking us to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm crying all the way out because I don't want to go. I don't want to go to Tulsa, but I know God told me to go to Tulsa. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to leave my three children. I didn't, wanna, I didn't want to do what God wanted me to do, but God saw that in order to bless me and, and to use me and to use Pam, he was going to have to break holds in my life of trying to control my own life. Most people... I won't say most. Many people want to control their own lives. God does not want you in control. He wants to be in control. And I would pray for God to bring the kids and all these kind of things. None of it ever worked. I don't believe it was God's will. I believe God knew that he had to have me one-on-one and break through to get me broken so that he could use me. So those things that I asked of God, they didn't happen. And I would tell people, I'd say, I don't, I, matter of fact, a really wonderful pastor that uh, I, I call every once in a while, and I, I don't, I'm not going to use his name because I think he was wrong. <laughs> Glory to God. But I would call him up and tell him that what I was asking of God to do, God wasn't doing it. And he said, well, sometimes it just doesn't work out the way you think that God would want it to work out. But, you know, there are obstacles and things like this. Well, that didn't line up with the theology I was learning that God can do whatever he wants if we come into agreement with him. I believe that I was there on an assignment with Pam from God, and that had to take place in order to go on to the next area of my life. And the example I'll give to you when we say, well, well, you know, if, if, if God will do anything you ask, then aren't you just saying now that he won't do if you study Matthew chapter 26, and the scripture that we're going to use there, uh, I think it's verse 29. I'm not positive right now, but it's, uh, yeah, Matthew 26, verse 39. This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is about to go on with the next phase of God's plan for his life. And Jesus is crying out to his Father in prayer, asking that if there's another way, three times, if there's another way, would you please take this cup from me? Nevertheless, my will, your will be done. Nevertheless, your will be done. Three times he prayed that. He was basically saying, Lord, to his father, Father, if there is another way, let it be. Nevertheless, your will be done, not my will. And guess what? There wasn't another way. It had to stay exactly the way God wanted it to be. And in my life and many people's lives, I've seen it where you can ask certain things and they're not going to happen because God's got you on a path that he wants you on and he's not going to change that path unless you break away from it. Years ago, I think it was Garth Brooks, but I'm not sure. But years ago, one of the major country western singers had a song, and it was, Thank God for Unanswered Prayer. How many of you can thank God for some prayers that you prayed years ago that were not answered by God? And the reason they weren't answered by God is it wasn't in the path God had for you to go to the next season of your life. So what we've got to do when we get into that position of asking God is we ask with full confidence of what God wants us to have in our life. Tell your neighbor, God's got a plan for your life. You see, Jesus basically 
tried to get God to change his plan. How many of you have been through a lot of things that you wouldn't have had to have gone through, but because of the mistakes that you made, you had to go through them? And that you wanted God to fix things, but in the midst of it, he didn't fix those things. He fixed you. He didn't make them go away. I know that, that, that people think this is funny when I say it, but I'm telling you, it's absolutely true. When I first got saved, I learned John chapter 14, verse 14. And I think a lot of people stump their growth when they first get saved and they get a hold of one or two scriptures and they try to use them to coerce God to take care of all of their messes. And some of our messes, it takes years for God to get us through. But when I first got saved, that was the first scripture I learned. John chapter 14, verse 14. It is a true scripture, but you can't appropriate it improperly. And it was John 14, 14. And my, my prayer continually, Pam would hear, I, I want a Lincoln Continental, and I want to get out of debt. Well, I never got out of debt until multiple years later. Never got a Lincoln Continental. Have no desire to have a Lincoln Continental because I have the car God wanted me to have. I do have a desire to stay out of debt. Glory to God. Because been there, done that. Kind of like John Osteen said, I've been rich, I've been poor. It's a whole lot better to be rich. Uh, you can bless people when you got money, and when you don't have any money, you can't do a lot of blessing to people. So therefore... We understand that God will turn everything around and use it for good in our lives if we'll allow him to do the work in our life that he wants to do. Romans 8.28 is a powerful scripture that says that God will use all things for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Twofold. Number one, need to love God, and he's talking about loving God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength, and acknowledging that God is calling you to a purpose in your life. And I preached a, ministry, a message on this years and years ago, and Tom Blumley made me a little picture that I have in my, in my uh, uh, room at home, but it says, your greatest, uh, your, your greatest defeats will become your greatest victories. Basically, if you will allow God to do that. There was a time and a place that I didn't want to go on with the things of God because I wasn't really asking God in the realm of the Spirit to show me what He wanted me to be. And so when you get to that point in your life, when you understand how important it is for you to ask, it is a verbal, open communication of asking. Let's all say, I can ask God continually. And that what we've got to do is break free from the mind game that the devil plays. Joyce Myers wrote a book about it. Many people have over the years. But the mind is the battleground. That, 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 is, that is where your battle will be for the rest of your life. And the longer you stay in the realm of thought without thinking for yourself scripturally, the more you will have combat continually with the devil because he will flood you with thoughts. There's a lady from Africa, and I can't think, uh, Carolyn, Carolyn Leaf. Don't know how many of you know of her, but I recommend her books to you. They're absolutely awesome because she takes the physiological and the, uh, the, the, the organs, how organs, especially the mind and other types of things in your body, respond to thought. 
she's a, a psychologist, I think, but I'm not positive. But anyway, the, you know, the, the Word of God says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Well, what does that really mean in your body? It means that if you've asked God to heal yourself and you believe that God will do that, then your body begins to think that you're healed and your body begins to transcend from your mind, from the thoughts of your mind into every area of your body, including your immune system. And that when the average individual that thinks about 30,000 thoughts a day, that's a lot of thoughts. Now, your thoughts come from outside sources are from you actually speaking yourself. In other words, you can think whatever you want. Tell your neighbor, I can think whatever I want. Can I see the hands of all the people that believe that? You think, okay. But how many of you realize that if you don't think what you want to think, your mind will think without you? Does that make sense? In other words, the thoughts will be coming without you. You can get up in the morning. I have this little thing that's... (laughs) uh, Somebody bought me for, is that Father's Day, a birthday? Years ago. Pam found it the other day in a drawer, and I got it back out. And uh, I, I said it by the vanity right there. But it's got this uh, yo-yo. Yeah, the two little guys, they're called yo-yo. You know who I mean? Funny cartoons. and you know, Okay, the yo- yo-yo and yo-yo or something. But you push it, and it says, uh, cookie-doo, cookie-doo, you're all looking fine. Did it hurt when you fell from heaven? And uh, <laughs> I punch that thing, and it goes off. Every, every night before I punch that thing, I mean, every night before I go to bed, I punch that thing. And, whoo, glory God, that really makes me feel good. And in the morning, sometimes I get up, and I am not a morning person. I'm a late-night person. I'm not a morning person. I get up in the morning, I hit that thing. It's like, whoa, did it hurt when you fell from heaven? And I, I think it meant that in the right way, not like the angels. But anyway... <laughs> I just thought about that. I just thought about it. But, but I don't think it meant it that way. But, but when we talk to ourselves and program our mind, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I have asked God to take care of three of the most important things in my life. Therefore, I don't have to think about that. The Word of God says I cast every care, every distraction on the Lord. I've already had my talk with God, so I'm already set. I've already asked. Uh, let me see. Oh, there's one more thing that happened. How many of you had something happen to you today? It didn't go the way it was planned. Okay. <laughs> you just need to ask. Okay, God, why did I do this today before church? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you just ask of God and then let it go. Let it go. My Mom and dad were wonderful people. My mom had a hard time of letting go of things if they didn't go right, especially if somebody did something wrong to her. My dad had this expression he used all the time. Didn't do any good, but he used it all the time. Lou, let it go. Let it go. Well, she didn't like to let it go. A lot of people don't like to let things go. They want to think about things and rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it. And maybe it's because I've just been around the ministry for a long time, but I've just come to this summation. Most people are their own worst enemy. They don't need the devil. They are their own worst enemy because of the way they think. They think wrong thoughts. If you think wrong thoughts, you do wrong actions. If you think wrong thoughts, you screw up your immune system, you mess up your mind, you're not the person God wants you to be because you're worried and you're concerned. Mary and Martha sat in at the feet of Jesus, and Martha was wonderful. She loved Jesus. Mary was wonderful, and she loved Jesus. But Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and didn't move, and Martha's mind was worried and troubled Jesus said, Martha, you are worried 
and troubled about many things. We don't need to be worried and troubled about anything. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, no worry about anything. No worry about anything. I'm doing better at living that message. When we first got married, I wasn't very good. But you know what? If I'm at peace with me, I can certainly be at peace with everybody else. But if I'm not with peace with me, I can't be at peace with anybody else. I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, because it's such a powerful, powerful scripture concerning having confidence that not only does God want to take care of us, but He hears us every time we ask. And I remember when we, when we were first in Tulsa, James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, says you have not because you ask not. You all with me? Let's just say you have not because you ask not. Well, that's serious. But then it says you have not because you ask amiss. When we were in Tulsa, it sounds like a contradiction, but it's not. When we were in Tulsa, I uh, had tremendous debt. I was trying to work at this employment service, and, uh, and, and I, it was going downhill, and I was going downhill. And everything I touched seemed to go the wrong way. And, and it was like, okay, I, I, knew, I know how to do this because I used to do this, but everything I touch seems to go downhill. And I said, God, I, I want you to do this, this, and this, and most of it had to do with finances. And as soon as I touched it, it got worse. It was as if everything I was touching was not going the right direction. And then, all of a sudden, God opens this door to go on staff at the church for a minimum wage. So I get a chance to go on church, on staff at the church for a minimum wage, and we already can't make it, and I'm making a lot more than minimum wage. But that's when God said, this is what I have for your life. And then every door began to open. When Gene Albert, I had to be broken. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have to be broken. When Pam's uncle, Gene Albert, came to us out in Tulsa, he was a broken man. He had fallen. Alcohol, alcoholism. He was a principal of a 5A school up north Michigan, Indiana. And, uh, and he lost his family. He lost his job. He was living in his car and came to work for, uh, came to live with us. Went through a rehabilitation center at the City of Faith. And then got a job digging ditches for the church, Victory Christian Center, making a little bit over minimum wage. And he would mumble and he would grumble. And, and, and he would just be so upset. He said, all of my education, I've squandered it all. I'm digging ditches. My daughter's getting ready to graduate from high school. She wants to go to Indiana University and become a, a nurse, and I don't have the money to do it. And he just digged the ditches. And, but he thought like God wanted him to dig the ditches. And God was breaking that man. I believe that with all my heart. He was breaking that man in two. And sometimes we try to rescue people in the, min- in the middle of them being broken by God. That is not not a good thing to do because what happens is you become an enabler in their life instead of letting God deal with them you become an enabler in their life they must go through that broken stage to be used the way God wants to use them Gene thank God he continued on and one day he wasn't happy but he continued on and one day he got a call and the call was from his daughter and she was so ecstatic and she said dad dad 
guess what? I got a full ride scholarship to Indiana University, room, board, all expenses paid. They're going to pay it all for four years. She is now a doctor up in Michigan City, has her doctorate, uh, something to do with training nurses up there, making a huge amount of money. I believe it all happened because he went in the ditch and let God break him. And he did ask God, take care of my daughter, take care of my daughter. That was his big prayer, take care of my daughter. He has a daughter who has her doctorate who teaches nurses up there in a big school and in the hospital. He has a son who's the principal of a grade school. I believe it was all because he moved on with what God said. First John chapter 5. We'll close with this scripture. It is so powerful. It has saved me a lot of anguish in my life. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And that if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we have the petitions that we have asked. What is the key? Ask. Lord, I'm asking for my health for the rest of the race. I screwed it up. You fix it. I'm asking for my health. Lord, I'm asking that you take care of the children. You're finished with it the minute you have asked. I'm asking that you take care of it. I don't mean we don't continue to pray, but a lot of people think that what they're doing is prayer, and what it is is worry personified. And all it does is depresses them and makes them anxious. When you pray and ask God to do something, and God hears you, and you know that you have the petitions, we enter into faith. We don't enter into doubt and unbelief. Let's stand to our feet. And therefore, what happens then is that our entire life begins to change as God breaks through to us by breaking us so that we can be the people that God's called us to be. There are people out there that need what you have. They need to see your smile. They need to hear a word of encouragement from you. They need what you have. And when we understand, all we have to do is ask. There are things that I have asked of God and my wife and I, we have asked God to take care of our nephew out there in Oklahoma, Colorado. He's coming out of jail on March the 4th, has a new start. God, I, I could not have even believed for this myself. I did not. He's coming out of there with every single felony he had reduced to a misdemeanor. And if he keeps his act clean, they're going to wipe the slate clean of all of his misdemeanors. And he had multiple felonies, multiple misdemeanors. He could have been in prison right now. I believe because we asked God to intervene in his life, God did it. And all we had to do was ask. We didn't have to sit around and worry about it. His mom did that. And I don't mean that negatively, but I understand. As a mom, it's really hard to let your children go. But sometimes as a mom, you just got to say, God, I'm praying for them. I ask you to take care of them. But whatever you need to do to break them, break them so you can use them. Because if you don't allow them to get broken, they're not going to be able to be used by God. So I want to pray for all of you tonight. Every single one of us have something that we're believing God for. Have you asked God what you want him to do. Have you actually said, God, I am asking you. I, I, I know that there are some things that are out there that are serious, but I'm asking you for a new car. Now, I'm not going to worry about it, and I'm not going to run around thinking about it, but I'm asking you. And in due season, if God wants me to have a new car, I have a new car. 
God wants you to have a wife. If you're not married, God will give you a wife. If you're married, you got the one God wants you to have. He just wants you to be the person that she's married to or that he's married to. Would you bow?